All right. Well, welcome back to the Temporal Eternal Podcast. We are so glad you are with us again. Uh, once again, uh, Temporal Eternal is all about focusing on eternity. That eternity is the forefront of our minds, of our decision making, of everything that we do, because we know that there is something beyond our time here on Earth. And we have a special episode today because we have an amazing man. Uh, he is. Uh, his name is Pastor Sean Sanseverino. Um, he's uh, from Grace Place Church in, in Texas, Arlington, Texas, and uh, actually Pastor Sean also directed Master's Commission when I was part of Master's. He's in the short list of people I would consider a leader and mentor in my life who've uh, poured into me. Him and his wife have poured into uh, myself, my wife, my children, and so they're, they're, they're very dear to our hearts and our lives, and, um, and they've, they've made an impact in the big and small things uh, you know, small moments that they've taken advantage of. So, Pastor Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, man. So pumped, Donald. It's it's crazy because it's I mean, we've seen each other a few times in the last X amount of years, but every time we get together, it's like no time has passed. And, and I love that about you uh, and your family. It's pretty cool. It is cool, man, 100%. So, uh, so today we have a, a fun topic, and... Um, you know, some stuff that, that, that Sean has been like looking at and studying and, um, and he, uh, man, I can't even say Sean without saying pastor Sean with you, bro. Like there's so many people that I, can drop, I can drop the pastor, but I just, I, I don't know. It's just ingrained in me. So I'm sorry. Dude, you should try, just try it. See what happens. It See what so happens. Much. It bothered me so much when I just said Sean, like it felt, it just felt so wrong to say yeah. that I, I'll try, I'll try it again a couple of times. Well, let me tell you something. I'm so conflicted about that title, actually. So we're in a huge transition right now at our church. My wife and I are going to end up being the lead pastors here in, uh, in about uh, eight months. And, um, you know, people, you know, I call myself Sean. I don't call myself Pastor Sean. Yeah. Um, but it's like there's, there's this certain group of people in church that they need you to have that word pastor there. Like they don't know what to do. If you don't have the word pastor, they don't know what to do with you. They don't know what category to put you in. But, um, you know, I kind of find it intriguing to go, can we still live in this kind of Jesus-centered relationship together with the structures of the church that he put together yeah. and me be able to lead out of my calling without that title? Mm. Can I lead you well without that title? And can you respect and honor the people that God has put in your life without titles. Um, and so it, it's kind of interesting, um, you know, what that one word does with people, which is, that's not even what we're here to talk about today, Donald. So, you know, if you need to hit like the buzzer, buzzer button right now, um, no, the X factor, eh, no, you know, we'll move on. No, we'll jump into that. But I mean, I, I think you're, I think it's interesting because you're right. I mean, there's, you have del you know, deacons, elders, pastors, you have these different things in the New Testament, but a lot of it really your whole mentality towards that and those questions you're asking is really towards the western twist that we've done with the american church and in some ways um put pastors on a pedestal and there's a there's a ton of stuff there um so i, I get i get what you're saying so well it's not just the western church that has put people on a pedestal That's i mean true. if we look at we look at church history i mean people have been abusing titles and dominating things all throughout history i think it's just it's just being a human um it's true 
So, uh, so our real topic today, even though that was a good subtopic, that's our, that's a, I, I watched, I posted this uh, meme and Chris actually laughed at it and it was something like, I got asked to speak announcements, but I got a word in my heart and I'm going to preach it. <laughs> <laughs> Donald, you should like, you should, you should put a spoof together. You should like set the whole stage, post it, you know, 100%. got a word in my heart, but I'm supposed to be up here doing an announcement. That's so funny. That's uh, I've definitely done that before. I, I did that on staff one time. But um, anyways, but uh, but our actual topic today is grace and works and just talking yeah. about um, in, in James, um, where it really talks about this, this point of grace and, and faith and how without works, it it's dead. Right. But we we've seen <clears throat> both sides of it. Right. Like I've seen in my life uh, that so many people focus on the extremes like it's just oh all about the grace and faith but then there's actually no works in their life um or others that are just trying to work for salvation or work for improvement so i i would i would love to kind of start just you know asking you like first like man how have maybe christians um either have grown complacent in either one or even just have almost went like way too extreme one way or the other what have you seen yeah can I throw you a curveball and just kind of tell a little bit about why I'm so passionate about this? Yeah, please. Um, so entering into this entire conversation kind of comes from a little bit of my story personally, coming out of master's commission, which was incredibly life-changing for me. It wasn't necessarily coming out of master's commission. It was, it was um, realizing how religious I was. Um, and I began to realize that um, I had spent years of my life all the way up until about eight years ago, um, working really hard to try to get God to love me, to get his attention, to make sure he was proud of me, to make sure that I was approved of him because I had no idea. I, I knew with my mind, but I didn't believe with my heart that, that I was loved, that I was accepted, that I was forgiven. And, and that meant that he was with me. There's no separation. We have union. Um, and so, and I'm throwing a lot of really huge, huge words out here, but, but I didn't know those things in my heart and the core of me. And because of that, that led me to work really hard, just to be God's good little soldier, his good little boy. And, um, and I found myself being very overbalanced, um, working so hard to try to get God to love me when he already did. And I was wearing myself out. And so I really actually don't want to blame that on the church. Uh, I don't want to blame that on anything except just sin. The enemy loves for believers to just be worn out working that way. Um, so, so saying that, that kind of brought me into a space where um, about eight years ago, I finally saw in the gospel. And this just has to be a, a revelation from Jesus. He has to reveal himself through the written word that um that i am loved i'm accepted and i'm approved not because of what i do but because of who i am in christ and so um so it was really that awareness and it and it's crazy that it took me over 20 years of being a believer to really come to the place where i really understood that um and so what i began to notice in my life from that was I started to notice some of the, um, I I like to call it religious trauma started to pop out of me because anytime I would come to scripture and find words like works or obedience, 
um, or strive. All of a sudden I would like freak out. I didn't know what to do with those words and I would get paralyzed and, and I would get mad when I would hear other people talk about them and I would shove everybody in this religious category when it really didn't have anything to do with anybody. It just had everything to do with me. Yeah. And I was misunderstanding and misinterpreting uh, the word. So, um, so to your question, how have Christians uh, taken grace and faith too far and become complacent? That's your question, right? Um, you know, the, the, my perspective on this, and I'm sure there's a lot of others, but um, I think it's when we have one of these things in an extreme in our life, um, we get complacent either with works and we don't understand the miraculous grace of God that's at work in our life, whether we're acknowledging it or not. Uh, or we, or we fall on the other side of, of the, of the pendulum. And I think it's just as human for us to do that in, 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 in all different types of life. We just, you know, we get unbalanced and we go hardcore and we flip. And so if you're flipping on the other side, then, you know, then, oh, it's, it's just by the grace of God. And, and he loves me as I am. I don't have to do a single thing for him. And, and so I think we just misinterpret, uh, uh, God's grace and his love. And, and you are right in all those things. You don't have to do a single thing for him to love you. Um, but I think when we, when we try to, when we try to pit those two words against each other, um, that's when we get in trouble. Um, because what we do is when we pit them together, then we separate them and then we try to exist with only one. And, and, and they actually are a message that actually goes together. They're not independent from one another. And, you know, James and Paul are both great examples of that uh, in, in teaching. And um, so I think as we lean in, we could really see one of the greatest grace preachers outside of Jesus, Paul himself, was very, very firm on works as, as he encouraged believers. Hey, you were created in Christ. After he talked about salvation by grace through faith, uh, he says in Ephesians, I think it's 2.9 or 2.10, just so you know, you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works and so um so it's uh it's clearly there in in scripture yeah I, I think it um you know for me that's definitely part of my story right like i i lost uh i lost perspective and that's really why i had to step out of pastoral ministry is because it it became very much uh transactional it became very much um you know my identity was in uh doing the work for the lord and then from that <clears throat> it was it wasn't out of the abundance of my relationship with jesus so um it was more out of uh the, what 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 fueled me was really other people right was using my ta like it slowly it started to be well i'm doing these works for god instead of out of the abundance of my relationship with God, I was doing these works to I'm doing it for God, for God. And then eventually it became I'm doing these works for me, right? Like yeah. <clears throat> in the name of Jesus, but I'm, I'm doing these works for me. And, and it's, it's so, um, it's so easy um, from my experience and for what I've seen in others to uh get off track and I, I really actually I love how you just said said this is like those things can't be separate it's like it's these two you know grace and and works this faith and grace and, and works has to be 
go hand in hand. Like that's how God's designed it, right? It, it's almost, you know, like this, this balance back and forth because it's easy to fall into that. And, and with it, it's, you know, it's, there's so many different things that can come from it, right? Where you like, yes, like for me, like I lost track of that. The other thing too is like when we're so works related, you know, a lot of times what I've noticed is, and kind of like what you're saying is like your relationship with God starts to suffer, right? Like your intimacy, your quiet time starts to suffer. So now you're doing works and works and works and, and God has a desire to do a work inside of you, but you're so distracted by doing works for him that you're actually not open to the process and the things that, that he wants to do in your life. No, it's, that's, that's so, that's so true. It's super powerful. Um, you know, I think when we look at these things as instead of in competition with each other, they're complementary toward each other. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of, that's how, that's just how it works. That's how they, they work with one another. Um, I'm trying, you said something a moment ago that, that triggered a thought and I, I wish I remembered, I should have wrote it down. I like how you use the word transactional. Um, yeah. and I think that one of our questions is kind of related to that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, um, I know one of them was just like how to how do you keep the right heart with good works, right? So that our connection with Jesus doesn't become transactional. Yeah, yeah. And you know it's crazy, as complicated as that could kind of sound, it's not complicated at all if we if we have our um our salvation set and locked in in Christ. If we've done that, then the rest is easy because we have we have a clear understanding regarding our our identity uh, in Christ because we realize that has nothing to do with us. And so um, when we when we do that, we can take away the transactional piece. Um, and I think that uh, these are not in my notes, so you know, stop me if you need to stop me. But when we think about covenant relationship with Jesus, you know, there's several different covenants throughout Scripture. Um, but when we think about kind of the two most familiar, which would be uh, the the Sinai covenant to Moses, uh, the old covenant, and then our covenant uh, that we have in Christ, our new covenant, the old covenant was just it was a very transactional driven covenant, um, and it was it was all about you do then I do, and that that's how God worked with people under that specific type of covenant. That covenant is was a national covenant written to the Israelites for a specific group of people for a specific time on God's timetable. Um, that covenant was not written to us. Yeah. Now there's things that we can learn from it, but it was not for us. Um, so because of that transactional nature, I think God did that on purpose because he knew how he knew how we worked as humans. We, we think we could get out there at the American way, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to build this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to go and do it. And so that the, the old covenant kind of draws that out in humanity and it kind of makes humans hungry to think, Oh, I can go ahead and do this. And so they try with all their heart. And so it's a tit for tat type of thing, but in the new covenant, it's not, it's not tit for tat. It's not you do. I do. It's, it's actually, I do. And I give, and that's what Jesus does with us. And it's actually transformational instead of transactional and so he's in a transforming us and so once we're settled that that 
I have been uh, co I co died with him. I've been co raised. I'm co seated with him. I share his nature, not because of me. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. Once we begin to to understand that, not here, because I think for a lot of years I I thought I had a lot of those thoughts, but I didn't know those thoughts here. So once it gets past here, and really what is true about my nature becomes to be a reality in my mind, then, then it, then it just flows. It's, it's not transactional. And so, um, uh, James talks a ton about this. And so what we begin to do is we actually work from our salvation instead of working for our salvation. And, and that's how we stay away from being transactional is just have being said on the message of the gospel. And, um, and I actually think, um, that, you know, there's some trendy things that, that swing through church. Uh, we see them in all types of generations, Donald, but I think, you know, we, we talked about this at barbecue when you were here last time, but, um, I, I think almost every friend that I talk to, there is a, there's a awakening to the message of the gospel, just sweeping through the church right now in, in an incredible way. And, uh, and I think it's beautiful, and um, and I think it's needed because uh, we can't do it without it. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I agree with you. I think um, I think more people are uh, assessing things. Right? We we had Tyler on last week, and we kind of talked about this whole deconstruction thing and <clears throat> the good, bad, and ugly of it. But the the one um, the the one glimmer, right, of of the premise is like, is really just, Hey, analyzing your life and just going, why am I doing? What am I doing? You know, like, why am I doing why, you know, what's the, what's the reason behind it? And so I think like, you know, when, for our listeners, when we're using the word transactional, that's a, that's a word that I never thought about my relationship with Jesus for, for years. And then once I heard that it started to click, right? Like for me, and here's the fascinating thing about this conversation is I've in the last two or three years, and I I literally half my half the podcast episodes I use this phrase self awareness, and mm-hmm. so there is so many times where people can just I give people the benefit of the doubt a lot because they're and just like you were saying twenty years for I mean a decade for me I was not totally aware of my depravity I was I was not totally aware of the the mistakes I I was I was making I I wasn't uh, aware of of how dysfunctional I was. I, I wasn't aware of um, of the wrong, incorrect mentalities and priorities like works over the grace of, of God, right? And so a lot of times, you know, I truly believe that um, people just don't see it sometimes. You know, you're raised in it. Maybe you grew up in it. Maybe, you, you know, you're just so used to it. And, like, this has just been the reality of your life or your relationship with Jesus and you just don't know anything different, right? So I, I guess, I mean, I would ask you that. Like, what are some, what would you say are like some some markers, right? If somebody says, man, am, am I doing this? And I'm always, I'm always careful because I, you know, we have these topics and then I'm always careful with people because I'm like, okay, like, hey, we're not asking you to be deep and, and make some stuff up. I remember like one time, I won't say the church, but I've had some prophetic words that are on point, but somebody had like a prophetic word for me and I was just like, man, that just doesn't. That's just not there, right? And I, I call my parents, and they are, it didn't confirm with them. And I, I was probably like 20. I was in master's. 
and maybe a little did, did I did I give you that prophetic word? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Joke. It wasn't anybody on staff. It was John, I call it. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't John. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. If I just John. No, it wasn't. that college pastor. It was. It was actually nobody from our. It was from another church. I should say it was from another church, not not from our like master's world or our master staff or anything. It was just another church. But um, and this is a very respected person too from this church. But it just was not on point. And so that's why I I I'm always hesitant because I'm like you know sometimes I don't want us to make things up in our head and then we dig into waters that are are not a big deal. But I would say we should still have that time to like you know, self-examine, ask the Lord, you know, what in the Psalms, search my heart, oh God, like show me stuff that I, I might maybe not even aware of. Right, Sean? So mm-hmm. what are some things that you would say might be red flags or might be either the way we process, the way we think, uh, our actions that might hint towards uh, there being an imbalance with this whole grace and works? Yeah. Um so an, an imbalance would be, um, you know, if there, there was something that popped in my head that when you kind of mentioned that, um, can you ask that question again? Because I got a couple of thoughts running into my head. I just want to nail your question. Yeah. So uh, would you want to do your, th- you have, do you have another thought that you want to hit first? Is Go, no, ask that, ask that question again. Okay, so, so basically what are some like red flags, either the way we think about things uh, the way our actions are, um, that might be like, you know, markers to show that there might be an imbalance between. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that God speaks to us in all kinds of ways, but I think you kind of trailing along with your word of self-awareness and, and being self-aware when we are not aware of the triggers and the blinders that we, um, allow in our life. Um, that that's a red flag and red flags come in the form of emotion. A lot of times it's when somebody says something on one side or the other, and you have some type of reaction in you, that should be a red flag to you because it's saying something. Um, it's saying something's off. And I think, I think a really brave question for every believer to ask, especially, you know, uh, no matter what the topic is, but when you, when you are, when you are, um, you know, revved up inside from something, we need to ask the question, you know, Jesus, what, what is my reaction about this? Teach me about me. Because, um, because, you know, you're now inviting the Holy Spirit to show you something about you. We're, you know, we're usually so focused on, I can't believe they said that and how dare them. And that's so off and they're so legalistic or they're so, they're so hyper grace driven Um, And we're having all these reactions towards others, but if we, so that is the red flag, but I think to combat that red flag and to help us rebalance, we have to say, Jesus, what about, what about my reaction? What does that teach me about me? What's going on inside of me? Because we usually don't know. Um, But uh, I think that, I think that's really huge. We just have to pay attention to how we react, we react. But if we're not self-aware, then we're totally unaware of our reactions. Um, and just ask the people around you. They will tell you when you're triggered. <laughs> yeah. um, they'll help you to see that. And um, But there was a lot of years where I lived like this. Yeah. And I was not open to people 
expressing to me, hey, Sean, you're triggered. What's up, dude? Um, I wasn't open to that. But probably the craziest prayer that I prayed, and it was really at the start of this entire grace journey, was I was getting so frustrated because I was, you know, I'm, I'm trying to understand theology and different sides of theology, and I'm sticking my note. You know, I, I grew up in the the evangelical Arminius side, Pentecostal side of theology, and I knew nothing about any other theologies. I knew my stream really well, but I didn't know anyone else's stream. So when any other stream got brought up, I was defensive. I was reactive. I was, I was all these things um, until I realized like, wow, what a dumb dumb I am. Like somebody can't even have a com a, an intelligent conversation with you, Sean. Um, so I prayed a prayer when I began to see that. And I said, I, I said, Lord, I need you to take off my spiritual blinders. And I actually use the phrase doctrinal blinders because I come to scripture with my 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. That's the domination I'm part of. I come to scripture with that lens on only. And so when I'm reading scripture, I'm reading it through that lens rather than letting it, rather than letting it read me, I'm reading it. Yeah. And, um, and that's really dangerous, a dangerous place for us to be. And so when that happened, it began to challenge my theology and I began to realize, wow, there's actually some really intelligent thoughts uh, about a, a lot of different things. And, and I can really learn a lot if I begin to listen. So, yeah, it's, it's sometimes um, harder to relearn something or, or to be open to that than to learn something originally. Right. Because you're so yeah. wired, what, whether it's what, whether it's theology and doctrine or whether it's like just a, how I'm going to live my life or what my priorities are then uh then having to kind of like oh wait i need to relearn all this you know yeah well that's where deconstruction is actually important i know you guys had a whole podcast on that and yeah. we don't really need to go into all that but but i think everybody who everybody we all pick up baggage along our journey and if we don't have self-awareness to unlearn to deconstruct the foundations that we built our life on when they were not built on christ if we don't have that awareness and that ability and openness from the Holy Spirit, then we can find ourselves in a lot of trouble and a lot of emotional turmoil and a lot of stress. And that's that's really the bottom line. That's, that's where it comes down to is our life begins to resemble nothing like the life of Christ because we're, we're anxious, we're striving believers, we're overworked believers, we're tired believers, we're in turmoil. And that that doesn't represent the life of Christ that he desired for us. Um, so, what so is it, right. Cause I, I'd love for you to, cause I know you kind of hinted that earlier um, from your example, but what, what would you say, what is the life of Christ as a Christian? Cause it's not always a perfect world, right? I mean, people, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we look in the gospels, we look, you know, the disciples are persecuted. So the, we're not saying that the life is one of, perfection and no harm or no unfortunate happen to us but what would you say that actually looks like for an everyday christian regardless of the exterior circumstances yeah well i mean i think we need to look to examples of some of the greatest apostles who ever lived and we need to look to the example of jesus it looks like this it looks like when the world is in chaos around you um, you are not governed and dictated by the chaos of the world around you you are you are still on task and on mission with christ in the midst of the chaos and so um and i think that's that's what makes the difference 
because we don't, we're not, we're not of the world. So we don't participate in the world with the ebbs and flows of the, the latest and greatest sin that the world makes up, which is probably not a new one in the first place. It's all been around for a long time uh, or the latest and greatest cultural hot topic. Like we're not on the crazy train with everybody because, because our foundation, our hope is not in the fact that the government is going to, going to make a really good decision on the next president. And that president is going to, is going to help pick such a great legislation that's going to fix every problem in the world. That's our hope doesn't rest in that. Now, as believers, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't do our part in justice and serving Christ of the world. That's a whole different topic, but, but our life doesn't ebbs and flow with the rest of the world, because uh, as Christ said, we're not a part of this world. And so it's because we actually live from another place that we get to um, enter into these spaces stress-free, anxiety-free, and um, and continue to stay on mission instead of fall off track, lose our faith, do all the other things. And we see Paul do that. I mean, I mean, look at look at what the all of the disciples, look what the early church went through. I mean, we think we're suffering persecution here. You know, if we consider early church history. And the and and Nero and Dominician and all of these empires who were killing believers and they were doing it vulgarly, these guys still stood up in the midst of all that and proclaimed Christ. Yeah. They stayed on mission. They didn't run because they they were at peace, um, and they they had a different operating system. And really, we talk about the life of Christ. It's really the operating system is the nature of Christ. And again, that goes back to understanding who we are. I actually, I don't have, I don't live off of my old nature anymore. It's dead. It's gone. The nature of Christ is, is what makes me alive now. Very good. I was um, <clears throat> kind of thinking about that and then also what you were saying earlier about, you know, your triggers, right? And hey, why why did I react like that? And something that really comes to mind that I, I wanted to hit on because this helps bring opportunities of self-awareness. This helps bring yeah. opportunities of revelation is, um, and actually Matt Poole and Joey Alcala did a, a sermon on this in the relevant church days. This was like one of the early, literally like the first couple months, fall of 2008. But they did a sermon on margins, and I, I'll never forget at least the topic. I might not remember the message. Sorry, guys, but it was a while ago. But there's a there's a premise to this where um, are we leaving space to be able to uh, participate in the prayer, meditation, exercise of Holy Spirit? What is going on? You know, like what what is happening with me? Like, do, because I I also think, at least for me, I definitely have an addiction to busyness, right? And it's 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 so fulfilling. It becomes something that fuels people. That the busier I am, the more successful I am. Or I got all these things, and we've loaded up our schedule, and we've packed it up. And it, um, I I'm I'm usually very careful about using secular movie references, but I, I saw the most recent uh, Matrix this last. Bring it. Most recent Matrix, right? And you know, Neo is is in this like digital world, like that's how the whole premise was, and so and then he kind of gets freed out of the digital world. So you know, it, that it's like this new one. You know, I don't know, twenty years later, probably now, 
Um, and he's back in there, and he's just taking the same pill over and over again, but he knows there's something different. And I, I look at that, and I think, man, that is, that is for sure. And there's actually a lot of um, similes and metaphors in the different Matrix movies based upon different things of faith. We can kind of look into that. But, um, but that one in particular, the newest one, really made me think of the truth that I believe – um, beca- from my experience, and that's why I think I've seen in other people too, that we can get so enthralled with our schedules and our busyness and actually um, uh, block out God from truly being able to transform our life. And, and, and because we just don't, we don't leave room. We either don't schedule it or we literally leave no room for it. We're like, and it, and it might be, it might be something as simple as like, I'm just going to work a ton and I'm going to, you know, do these things. I might volunteer a ton. It might be just entertainment. How many movies, how many TV shows, how much social media, you know, how many podcasts am I listening to that, that really something that I've been really convicted of probably the last year as I've been on this journey personally is really trying to make sure and i haven't got it right every day every week but really trying to make sure like hey like am i dedicating some time to prayer and meditation to the reading of the word to just letting god speak to me to hey i'm going to drive in the car i'm not going to call somebody right now i'm not going to listen to a song or a podcast i'm just going to be in silence and see if the holy spirit speaks to me so i i do like all these things we're talking about i think are super important but i wanted to hit that sean because i i believe that um, if we don't take control of our lives and our schedule, then we might always live in an imbalance in some way or another, and we might miss out on some of the transformational things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if we have talked about this together before, <clears throat> but there's a guy who, um, who I learned a lot from in in the area of slowing down his name's pete scazzaro and uh he's from he's a he was pastor in new york for years planted a church there and um he has a uh he's got a leadership podcast um but he's he's the the author of of a a set of books and courses and materials that talk about emotionally healthy spirituality it's really emotionally healthy uh discipleship and um and he really gleans a lot from some of the early church fathers and some of the habits that that um, that they had and and uh, the light the the calming life of monks. And um, one of the things that that they did in their their um, their calming calming life is that um, monks did not call the work of God the activity of God like we do. They actually saw prayer as the work of God. And so, um, you know, when the bells would ring off in the monasteries, they would drop whatever they were doing. They would drop their hoe because, you know, they were harvesting. They were doing all the things to, to live off of the land. But they would drop everything they were doing so that they could go do the work of, the God, of God. And that meant to go and be with him. Hmm. And that was the work of God for them. And um, I think as believers, um, you know, especially as kind of on the, on the evangelical side of things, you know, when you start using words like monk and early church, you know, I, I can't speak for any other stream, but the stream that I come from, we didn't, we don't do a lot of study in early church history. And so I think because of that, were those of, of 
Christian background or were they of a different Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, at, at the time, I mean, we, we see it today now as Catholicism, but uh, I mean, there wasn't a, there wasn't a split between the one United Holy church um, until Martin Luther. And so, you know, so, you know, we have, we have centuries, uh, Martin Luther, 17th century. So, so we've got 16 centuries of church history and of these communes uh, of, of people serving God together. And, um, and, and there's so much written richness and there, there's some off stuff as well, but there's so much richness. I think that, that we can draw from if we learn to do a little study, but look up Pete Scazzaro. Uh, he's got incredible stuff on silence and stillness. Um, they, they had a mode of prayer. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say the word wrong. I was actually trying to look it up, but we do a kind of prayer that that is very um, works driven. It's it's I, I'm talking. It's a very active type of prayer. But they did a, a different type of prayer. I think it's apophatic and and capophatic. I'm probably wrong on that, but you'll find it out if you do some of your own research. But they did a type of prayer that it was actually a prayer of it was actually a type of being with God that transcended words. It would be kind of like you and Azzy. You and Azzy have such an intimacy about your relationship that there's times when no words are required when you're together. You don't need to be doing the five love languages for her and her for you. You don't need to be working for each other because there's such a connection that there's something so powerful when you shut the world out and you sit on the couch with the one that you love and you're in silence and oneness together, it is so powerful. And that is that is the type of relationship also. We only have that, not because we came up with it, but we have that is because that is also the type of relationship that the Father, I mean, if we can have it at a human level, we only get the example. We're only an expression of, of, of him. And so, so he wants that same type of relationship with us. But if we don't know how to, as you said, slow down, to be with him and acknowledge our loving relationship of union with him, then we can miss out on that. But we don't know how to slow down. And that's the challenge. And Pete Scazzaro has incredible material on that. Um, he's got great devotions. And um, I shout encourage out. you if you shout struggle out. with what's that? I said, shout out, Pete. Shout yeah, out. shout out to Pete. Yeah. So, um, so if you're struggling and if anyone's struggling in that area, I highly recommend yeah. to, um, to go and, and check him out. Um, you know, you might not like everything about him, but you probably don't like everything about anybody. So, you know, stop tripping and, and, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones, you know, and, and learn something new. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, um, there's been quite a few, uh, the senior pastor that were, at the church we're at here, he kind of talks about the orphan mentality, you know, and, and, and works and stuff and um, spiritually. And I've talked to a few different, um, you know, pastors and leaders in recent years and the same stuff I'm wrestling with, right, that I uh, kind of had the imbalance in. A lot of people um, are doing, you know, f facing that or are doing some work. And, and I w what I'd say is it's it's really it's re rewiring right i mean that's really the, the best way to say it you know they 
they say when they talk about, um, you know, I've shared a little bit of my past struggles with uh, a pornography addiction and lust and those sort of things like that. And, you know, there's different things that you are, you know, are just like wired into your brain over and over again. Cause you've, you've done something over and over again. So a lot of these things, um, you know, revel revelation is like really step one. Right. And so like the the ideas of what it is right and then there's like self-awareness of like realizing like okay how does this apply to me but then it's it's having those times uh to spend with the holy spirit so that the revelation can become transformation because there's been so many times that you know revelation has come to my life and it's been you know i i can't tell you early on in my young faith you know even my early 20s when I was truly serving God and I'd be like, I'd leave a message and be like, man, that was good. You know, what was good about it? Well, I just, I, I don't know. It was just really good. It was a good message. It was inspirational or it was a powerful story, but, um, I, I didn't create opportunities for transformation and for application, you know, and I, th I really think that is the key, right? Is, is for us to move past, um, religion, right. And religion, r religious habits, that are not the priority of God. Um, really, some of those things might not be bad, but they might need to come out of out of the overflow of our relationship with Jesus. And really, the the things that need to be prioritized are seeking the Lord, um, receiving His grace and mercy, living under that, and um, living with God and not just for God. And then let that be the source and, and the beginning. So. I know we're kind of near the end of our time, but, you know, final thoughts from you, Pastor Sean, of anything you want to leave us with today or, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, all these things you're talking about right now, um, we didn't touch on this, but, you know, if, if you can begin to recognize the difference between a slave and a son, um, you will begin to see the difference um, in your faith journey and how you're relating with the father because, you know, uh, the story of the prodigal son both sons were in the father's house. One of them was accepted. The older brother was accepted and loved by the father, but he still saw himself as a slave. He didn't know he had the father's heart, but he did. The father loved him. Everything in the house was, was his, but he, he did not know that. And so um, there's a big difference between uh, serving God out of sonship uh, or out of works as a slave would do. And, um, you know, I spent many years um, as a son thinking that I was a slave in the father's house, um, not realizing that everything in here was already mine. Um, but if I want to keep working for it, like, what can the father do about that? He's given it to me, but I'm over here still working hard for it. So, so um, you know, yeah, I would just, you know, would love to maybe pray for anyone who's listening that um, is struggling with that. And, and that can't, you can't learn that from a podcast. Um, you know, somebody can't say something and the light bulbs are going to go on, but the Holy spirit can quicken you and he can transform your mind. And the, the good thing is that he's really good at that. He's in the business of transforming hearts and minds. And so, you know, we've been trying our whole life to fix ourselves in so many different ways and transform how we think. And we suck at it. Uh, we're not good at it at all. I don't know if we're allowed to say that on this podcast or not, but um, yeah, I probably can't say that from the pulpit in my church, but, um, but I will say it 
I promise you it will come. You know, there's just things that, you know, growing up the way I grew up, I just got to kind of throw it out there and just be me, say it how it is. So um, anyways, so yeah. Yeah, no, uh, do you, do you want to, do you want to say a prayer? Would you like to do that? Yeah, let's do it. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you that that uh, we can sit around and have conversations all day about the problems in the world and in the church. And we could talk about theology all day, but really it all comes down to transformational life. That's really what you came to do. You didn't create us to sit in rooms and talk about theology on podcasts, although good theology does inform our thinking. And so that's important, but God, we pray for every person who, who may be struggling um, with their sonship, uh, male or female, that there's a part of that word that's actually gender neutral. And so Lord, we just pray that you would help people who are still living like a slave, but they're actually a son. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would quicken them and uh, cause their mind to be wired differently, that they would think differently about themselves and about who you are. And um, I pray that, that the person who's struggling in this department, that they would stop striving to figure it out. They would stop working so hard, reading books and scriptures and podcasts to try to get this thing settled. Because the only person that can settle this for us is you and your transformational work. And so we just thank you uh, for going to work on our behalf. And we thank you that you never stop. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you again, Pastor Sean, for joining us on the podcast. And I just want to thank all of our uh, listeners. Once again, we are on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to subscribe on YouTube and leave a five-star review on Apple. Hope you all have a blessed week, and we will see you next week.